millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, with the beginning of a new season, lots of things change, but no matter what season it is, you can still call us the foot of the plane, because we are, of course, all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at podcast horseman please do give us a follow if you want more from podcast horseman you can also follow either of your hosts you can follow me at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflit at michael hamflit and um, you can get this podcast on apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to subscribe on spotify where we like to follow on acast where you can also subscribe and listen online through streaming on amazon music where you can i don't know get something delivered for your mom because she can't work the link but you can at least add her address in so that she doesn't need to get it sent to your house and then you have to take it to her separately which is difficult enough in lockdown pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts you can get podcast horseman and if you want to listen to the podcast through the app podcast horseman twitter feed you can do every friday a brand new episode goes up there'll be some fancy new season five graphics coming to you soon with that brand new episode it's all on there it's all available to you and if you want to leave us a five-star review that'd be great like every podcast we're on the bag for those things um they get us up the charts they get us more subscriptions they get more more listens all that good stuff more people talking themselves horse about talking horse and we broke some little individual listener records in season four that we were incredibly grateful for i think those five star reviews were of a tremendous help we uh, we dish out stars on our hollywood talk of fame but with season five we're doing it a little bit different that episode that we talked about that goes on the app podcast horse and twitter feed if you want to just pop a quote tweet on that so tweet it out with a few little words to all your followers. You stand a chance of being inducted into our season five Hollywood Talk of Fame. We will have an inductee coming later on in this episode, our first indeed of the season. Oh, very exciting. The first, you don't forget your first, Michael, especially the don't. beginning of a brand new season. And speaking of which, we go straight across to Netflix. Look at us. No messing around this week. Mm. All actual business for a change. We are it? back on the horse, aren't we? We are back on the horse. Uh, season 5, Episode 1, The Light Bulb Scene. Bojack has misgivings about his new show. Princess Carolyn visits an adoption agency. Todd interviews for a job. At what time is it right now anyway? Michael, what time is it right now, my friend? It's time to do a goddamn <laughs> podcast, Michael. Goddamn, let's get on the bus. Um, some synchronised swimming fish 
put on a show in Bojack's pool. That's the kind of only way I can think to describe this scene. It's one of a party. It's one of that kind of like Hollywood glitz and glamour that we've come to expect. Um, as Bojack narrates how lonely and empty these parties are, um, in the meantime, a woman comes up to him and says, watch your six. He replies, quote, I'd rather watch your six and walks into his living room. Um, all of a sudden, everything stops. A gunshot noise alerts everyone um, in there to where Bojack has been shot by some sort of lizard woman, at which point we hear the words cut. And it turns out it's a scene from Filbert. Um, they're actually filming the new show that, of course, Princess Carolyn got Bojack to agree to do at the end of uh, season four. Um, Bojack's fake blood squib didn't go off when he was shot by the lizard woman. It was there set in his pocket. So they've had to cut to reset the shot. Um, and as they're resetting, Princess Carolyn and Bojack sort of walk over to what looks like a little bit of a catering table. Um, he's quite unconvinced about basically every single aspect of the show. Um, right the way through to what time is it right now.com, who asks that his character doesn't wear a watch because they don't want to give the viewers the concept <laughs> of time without having to go and use their app to do it, obviously. Um, it's a gradual reveal as they're walking through the set that reveals that indeed a set. It looks every bit identical to Bojack's house. It just turns out this is where the film and film it. Um, Princess Carolyn sort of begs Bojack to smile through it, basically, just to get mm. through the show. At which point, the squib, positioned by his heart, finally explodes. And that's our cold open, complete for season five. A kind of a bit of a, a reset, but a, a proof that it's a quite a near continuation from where we left things at the end of season four. Yeah, no, uh, no big surprises. Yeah, we knew they were going to be starting the show. Philbert, interesting to see Philbert like finally taking it, like getting legs and becoming mm. a thing, isn't it? Because obviously, if you'd mentioned Philbert last season, this was the unborn child of Princess Carolyn and yes. Ralph, of course. And now it's the very born child of Flip and figure, <laughs> I guess. Is that what we're going with? I think we are. I love the way they did this, though, in terms of like the double bluff of us, us thinking, oh, it's, we're back at Bojack's and things are bad. And then, mm. as obviously the episode unveils, we realise... Bojack doesn't work for the police, Michael, or does he? <laughs> well, this is it. It's obviously not particularly ideal, just quite how much this set looks like Bojack's house. And we're going to get a little bit more of that. And um, because the episode starts proper pretty much exactly where we left with Bojack with the bloodstain on his pocket. So um, they're refilming the scene and they get it this time. Um, but Bojack still has issues with pretty much everything from the lighting to the script into all that sort of stuff. Um, he specifies at this point how uncomfortable he is with uh, the excessive use of the word bitch in the dialogue. Um, but it kind of leads more to the questions he's got with Flip McVicker with about his character in general. Um, Flip gives him two minutes um, which allows for this awesome visual gag for what time is it right now.com where Flip looks at his phone to see how much time he's got by using the app. All the while, the clock on his phone is there, completely visible. To get into the app, you've got those old uh, dial-up internet noises, and then it finally gives him the time to let him know he's got these two minutes. So even the app that is funding the show is functionally useless. Um, I'm sorry, if anybody missed it, could you just tell us what the noise of the phone was making again? That's about right, isn't it? Is that not? Try that. <laughs> These are basically the sounds of me realising that that is costing me one penny before I've got like an hour to unplug the phone. <laughs> um, Bojack is trying to keep Flip's attention, basically, in these precious two minutes he's got. Um, but he's constantly being interrupted by Mr. Peanut Butter, who happens to be filming <laughs> something else on the same lot and uh, goes insanely deep into one of his, what is this, a crossover episode? Gags that he loves to do. He can't get enough of this. And as a result, Bojack is just getting nowhere near Flip for Peanut Butter's bullshit. 
basically. Um, amidst these constant interruptions, he asks Flip why the set has to be his house, to which Flip notes that it's basically um, only to reflect Philbert, quote, sparse, lonely, precariously balanced on a hill of his own isolation. That's his sort of summary of Philbert, which he doesn't even realise it turns out to be Bojack's exact light. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter notes that it looks just like David Boreanaz's house, and Flip then has a sort of like temerity to mention that a set designer had done a tour there once upon a time, explaining, of course, bringing all that quite nicely in from season one. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter's playing Caesar in the movie next stories and all the sort of Roman gear, uh, and Bojack in that time loses Flip's attention. Um, he says that they can talk in the morning, which Bojack is a little bit aggrieved by as the star of the show that he's having to wait. Um, and then Mr. Peanut Butter sort of skirts off. Bojack shares a one-word hello with his co-star Gina, and then it cuts immediately at them having sex. Uh, he finishes and then lazily sort of excuses himself for, to use a bit of friend's parlance, not being there for her. It's a rather sort of uncomfortable moment for Bojack until it's very apparent that she didn't give a toss about this interaction at all. She is quite happy to be... Um, getting out of the room and getting out of the situation herself. Uh, she's nonplussed by Bojack in general. There's no sort of sense that he's the star or he's the one with any power in this dynamic, um, at least not on the surface. She's getting dressed to leave and pies off Bojack's request to talk in any great detail about the script with which he's still got all these concerns. She's uh, she's very sort of straight and down the line about her role in the show in general. She says, quote, I do one of these shows every year and I keep getting hired because I show up, do the work and I keep my head down. Uh, she sees this as a job. She admits that she doesn't love her character, Sassy Malone, quote, trying to character traits that she hates bras and loves cold rooms. She says that it feels, quote, gratuitous and male gazy. Of course it does. But crucially to her, it pays her mortgage. This is obviously something that Bojack can't particularly relate to, with him, of course, being a man that has just lived this privileged existence. Uh, but she goes to leave all the same, and he welcomes her to stay, thinking that she'd be glad of the company. Um, but she says she loves being alone and wishes she could be alone right now, which is what she does. She walks out. Uh, lots to pick up on early here. We've seen, obviously, a number of different power dynamics. We've seen the one between Bojack and Flip, which is fractious. We've seen the one between Bojack and Mr. Peanut Butter, which is swayed in Bojack's favour probably as much as it's been since I would guess maybe season two um, and this new quite unique one with Gina where they've had sex almost as if in that ugly Hollywood way to just to do it but then Bojack having no power over it after the fact it's not as kind of male weighted as it may as it may typically seem in these Hollywood interactions that we see in the past um we see him at his fridge uh, back in his house, which is obviously, you know, virtually identical to the set. Um, and he it's it's late at night and he swigs from a bottle of vodka that's got markers on for how much he can drink every day. Um, the clock ticks over to 12 a.m. on his oven and it realises that he can drink that day's um, sort of amount of vodka, which is an interesting take on him trying to cope with his alcoholism, obviously. He, uh, he calls Hollyhock college and he uh, mumbles about liking her instagram post after waking <laughs> her up to tell her that he likes her instagram post he trips over his words a lot but it's really quite sweet this he gets around to admitting that he misses her he tries to push the words back in his mouth but it's too late but it's okay because she misses him too and it's another earnestly sweet moment between them they have found it's really quite nice level as you would hope as family members they've been able to do and it's just it's a nice continuation to see hollyhock moving on with life effectively in college, even just in this short scene. It's all we get about this episode, but it's nice. It shows that that relationship is still very much on the reels in the gap between the end of season four and season five, which has not always been the case in Bojack. That's, that's a, it's a cute little aside about how he's dealing with these, these changes in his life between Booze and Hollyhock herself. Um, but we're back on set the next day 
and oh, this ain't great. Flip is running along a line of female actors, um, some human females, some female slash animals, but all all females, um, with simple and brutal and cutting yeses and nos. Yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no. Um, turns out he's willfully objectifying them, looking for women that are, quote, hot and haunted. He upsets one woman with the brutality of his no, and then starts to change his mind because it points out that at least now she looks haunted. It's grim. It's really, really grim. It feels real. It feels lived in, which is the worst thing, obviously. Um, and that's why it sort of hurts so much as a viewer to get to see these women uh, being sort of singled out and marginalised the way they are. Bojack bursts in at this point tries to make nice about the script as a way in to be critical about it, um, and then starts offering notes about scenes that just constantly feature half-naked women. Um, he steals Gina's comments word for word about it being male gazy. Um, so as a result of that feedback, Flip cuts the stripper scene entirely and fires all of the women, who then have to walk past Bojack, disgusted with having their jobs taken away from them, when Bojack in his mind has done right by what women in general, I think. Yeah, right. it's it's amazing that like, we will get to this in a bit more detail because there is lots more to come in this episode. Um, so yeah, the all women leave. We hear one grumbling that how she's going to feed a child now. All that this is now like sort of Bojack's mm-hmm. the shoulder having just cut the entire scene. Um, he has an idea for quote, something better. Um, Flip does, should I say. And it's a scene where uh, Bojack now draws Gina naked instead of one of these women that was going to be one of the strippers. Um <laughs> Flip uh, notes Bojack's concerns to Gina herself as a reason to justify it, which she frustratedly rolls her eyes at as she's lying there naked on the set sofa, very aware now that Bojack has stolen her words uh, verbatim to try and get across that you know his his care and attentiveness for for the female form. I guess um, <laughs> this scene ends, which I think is a good point for us to take a pause with Flip shouting for nipple ice for Gina as she lays there completely nude, waiting to be painted by Bojack's character, Philbert. Uh, amazing stuff. Unbelievable uh, commentary stuff from the off. Season uh, 5, episode 1. Falling right, I believe you might be able to correct me on the dates. This is the first season that falls post the original Me Too wave, I guess you could say. And this is Bojack going in at the deepest of deep ends, as you would hope and expect it to do. Um, quite the moment, this, when all those uh, actors are fired because Bojack gets what he believes to be an objectionable scene cut. Um, Really powerful in its exhibition of Flip's role in all of this, um, in how an actor has say, but in how those difficult decisions can sometimes have other consequences. It it does a lot here. It does a great deal. And it leaves Gina, the objectified female, even more objectified than she was before. That's the end result of all this. I love the way they do this. This is like... um... This is wire-esque, the wire-esque trickle-down, like, um, issues that come. And, like, showing the reasons, like, we all know that the way that Hollywood has been functioning for many, many years, had been, I'm sure probably is in some degrees, but it was dysfunctional and it was horrible and absolutely awful, specifically the women. Then seeing immediately the knock-on that this has, like, this Bojack coming in and, you know, like obviously he's stolen what, what Gina said and tried to voice her opinion through his in his head, because of, of course, Michael, he's an idiot man from Hollywood. He's thinking, <laughs> well, I'll do this because I'll do the job that the woman can't do, essentially. And 
all that ends up doing is is taking away an, a job opportunity for six women who have put themselves in that room because they wanted that role. Whether or not Flip McVicker is objectifying them or not is kind of it's not irrelevant. But this is these women are now actively angry with Bojack because they're not going to get a job. And I thought that was such an easy way to do it to show like the the layers that come to this. It's not as simple as stop this because it's bad because yeah. these people are dependent on. Suddenly, mm. these people are dependent on these roles, and how and the women were far from happy to be there. Yeah, the yeah, not happy to be even yeah, taking those roles. But of it was course. a necessity thing, wasn't it? That but, was the, like the. But when it comes to that, or, or them suddenly going home without having any jobs, like mm. it's a horrible choice for them to have to make. But all of a sudden, yeah. you understand the complexity of the situation that they're in. Um, and I just thought it was like, it's such a quick thing as well, but it's such a really, really strong commentary. And then, of course, Gina getting the brunt of it all, like. In a power play between two men, essentially, what's happened here? Yeah. And the person who's ended up suffering from it all is Gina. Purely from an ego standpoint, from both from two, I think it's probably fair to say, two insecure chaps. Yeah, it works. That's it. They're, it's, they're both trying to flex a level of power and a level of vanity. And as you say, like it all, unfortunately, all this just slides downwards and lands on Gina. And it doesn't get a great deal better for it as they go to film the scene. Um, they're forced to cut because uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is back on the set, hollering and cheering along. He's kind of, I think you must believe every show to be Peanut Butter's house of horsing around because he's reacting as one of those show's audiences would rather than this being some sort of procedural or serial drama, whatever you believe uh, Philbert to be. Um, but Bojack's quite glad that the scene's being cut. Um, he accuses Flip of punishing Gina to punish him. Flip, however, thinks Gina is absolutely fine with it. Uh, Bojack disagrees. Gina walks off kind of indifferent to the whole scene. She doesn't make it clear if she's particularly happy or not with this. Um, less than thrilled to be doing the scene, but as we've already heard from her, it's mortgage work, you know, so maybe she's just been able to, we're left to assume that she's able to compartmentalise things accordingly. Um, like Flip asks Gina outright and she kind of it's like this knowingly disconnected support that's the best way I could think to describe it really um and she wants to go and get food that's ultimately what's next in her day is just going to get something to eat um it results in Flip um putting it back onto Bojack that in fact the only reason he's protesting any of this is because he wants to feel self-important uh Bojack protests uh, that that's not what it's about. So Flip counters by ordering Bojack to do a full frontal nudity scene where he's there changing the light bulb completely Billy Bollico. Um, Princess Carolyn, in the meantime, has failed to kind of mediate. She's back on set. She's failed to mediate um, between them. Um, and Flip gaslights Bojack by suggesting that if he rejects this idea, then he must have only given the male gaze note to, quote, hear himself talk, which then puts quite a lot of pressure on Bojack to do a nude scene, which again, we're not necessarily just dealing in the pressure that this has put on Gina or the female characters. There is a kind of similar pressure being placed on Bojack here to get naked on camera, lest he, well, I guess in this case, it's not really because he could just admit that a lot of it was ego fueled, but at the same time, Flip is exerting quite a dangerous power over someone's body. There's a lot here. It's it's really, because the Bojack is a male, it's really hard to find sympathy with him. And they make you think about that. They challenge your perceptions of all of this. Um, and I think like, it's it's gonna sound like we're just like going into great detail on very relatively small scenes. But I think it's really important that the battle here is between Bojack and Flip, because there's something coming up that we're gonna get into. But Bojack being forced to get naked is the very, very tragic tale of a lot of women that have no power. Bojack hypothetically has quote unquote power 
He's got none here. He's got. He hasn't got a dog in this fight. He's going to have to take his clothes off. I think this is. I'm, I'm not going to spend too long on it, but just as a quick interjection, brilliantly done this because if you are, if if any of the audience members watching, you probably imagine there wouldn't be, but if anyone's watching, thinking like, I don't get why they're making such a song and dance about the fact that like women have to get naked in films. It's just something that happens a lot. The how immediate is it that? The pure flipping of this on the Bojack suddenly makes you, or suddenly highlights it more, because yeah. it's not because it's not the norm, mm-hmm. quote unquote, like in Hollywood, is or Hollywood, even in real life, like it's not yeah. just we haven't normalized the fact that women would just get naked, and whether it's like topless or otherwise, like in films, mm-hmm. happens so often. Soon as the pressure is being put on the Bojack, this is suddenly even just in the in the narrative of this episode feels like a bigger thing. Which it, which yeah. it shouldn't because it's the same thing. No. Gina's literally sitting on the set of you with nothing on, but the way they do this is such a great highlighter of, yeah, this isn't normal. This isn't normal. It's weird. It's really really weird. And isn't it funny how all these directors are blokes? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, as you say, like to sort of build on that. Oh, now you're experiencing it means something, does it, Bo Jack? Now, you know, now it's happening to you. Boom. It's a thing, is it? Yeah. Um, He's at Princess Carolyn's apartment later on in the day to um, surprise her with his fury over this situation. And But it's Todd who comes in. Um, there's going to be a little bit more on Todd later. We'll touch on Todd as usual. Um, but in the meantime, they hatch a plan for Todd to get a job as a janitor at whattimesitrightnow.com so that he can sneak into an exec's office and send an email to Flip, banning him from doing nude scenes in general, especially Bojack. That's the key part of Bojack's plan. <laughs> he says, quote, Todd, we're going to save the show. And Todd replies, you're on a show? <laughs> so again, there's a nice sort of, uh, quite a sort of reminder of them to kind of operate in a bit of a distance at the moment. They've only bumped into each other because Bojack didn't even know that Todd was living at Princess Carolyn's place. Um, naturally, the plan between them fails and there will be much more on that later, I promise you. So Bojack goes back into Flip's office to say no to his face outright. He's in a he's in a dressing gown, he's in a robe, um, naked underneath, but he's not going to do the scene. Um, Flip rejects the idea again that it's about punishing Bojack. He swears he's just trying to make a good show. Again, he goes back into gaslighting mode. He says, quote, I've done nothing but be a friend to you. Then he orders Bojack to take off his robe and go to set. Bojack says no, and Flip fights with him, chases him around the room, trying to forcibly pull the robe off himself. Um, Bojack gradually breaks away um, to the opposite side of the office and screams that the show is done. He rattles off a host of issues without any of the sort of politeness and kindness that he'd offered once upon a time. There's no sort of trite owning of the things that work and trying to sneak in the things that don't. He just hates it. He tears it a bit. Um, At which point Flip outright threatens to do even worse to the character than nudity just because he can. says, quote, you signed a contract and that means I am your God. You will please your God. And if I don't see your ass on set, I will see your ass in court. So what has already become a power play move to get Bojack to take his clothes off has now become an active legal threat. And again, just to echo your point, put any woman in this position and Christ almighty, (laughs) this game is gone. This industry is gone, dead. So gone. And more so, and more so, the thing that I was thinking of on this particular watch through was when Bojack comes out of that room, if he, if and when he does indeed tell anybody about this conversation, they're going to be like, oh God, like that's terrible that's happened to you. If it was a woman, you feel like people would be like, 
Did that actually happen though? Mm. Are you making that up? And I, it felt powerful. Is because when I'm, when you're watching it, it's strange because Bojack, this show just like makes you normalise a lot of intense mm. things that go on. But Flip is actively trying to pull a man's. He's, he's actively trying to make him naked in this. Yeah. And they are. He's, he's assaulting them. He's literally assaulting yeah. them in the middle well, of this. We're room. dealing with sexual assault. Like, That's it's happening. sexual assault in the middle of the room. And obviously, it's. I, I'm not to say it's. It's sort of hidden in hijinks and like cartoon hijinks with mm. a wink and a nod. But like, if that is, if we've just, if that's Gino are watching in this scene, that's a whole different scene. Like, yeah, it's a whole different scene. And I, I don't know. It's, it's again, they're just really, they're really good at taking the dynamics. We know flipping them around and showing you why this is more impactful than you already thought it was. Yeah, it's masterfully done. This it does it. It asks it asks um, difficult questions with even harder answers of its audience because you are left you're left basically to think one thing or another and then realise you should have been thinking the third thing. Yes, which is like take, yes. Take you're a actually off base anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tremendous how it does it. Um, but Flip has started to panic. Um, we see him later on the episode, Rian Princess Carolyn begging her for help. He says, "Quote: I overplayed my hand." As it turns out, Bojack hasn't turned up on set at all. Um, Princess Carolyn is shaken out of that chat where she is, and we will get to that, I promise you, by Bojack, who was turned up drunk and in his car, having located her by dropping a burner phone in his in her purse and tracking it. That's not on. Um, it's played as, again, the weird hold and control that Bojack attempts to have over mm -hmm. Princess Carolyn. Um, he's got, <laughs> I mean, this is very, very Bojack Horseman. He's got a plan to get around this, which is to steal Flip because... <laughs> Mother's fake leg and choke him to death with it. <laughs> uh, Princess Carolyn reminds him how stupid that plan is. Um, he might as well have brought it back with him. It says fake ledge. To be uh, honest, it's so stupid. The, the um, ultimate, the ultimate leg drop of all. <laughs> Indeed. Um, he tries to guilt Princess Carolyn over signing the contract in the first place. That's a real dick move. Um, but Princess Carolyn's having none of it. That fails as well. Um, Bojack says he doesn't want to be Filbert, so Princess Carolyn simply tells him to be a better Bojack and act as Filbert. Imagine doing your job for a living. Um, it seems to work. It fades into Bojack back on set, screwing the light bulb in, doing the nude scene. Um, it's shot in a way, obviously, where it's all above Bojack's waist, but he's kind of, because it's screwing the light bulb in, he's rotating and it almost feels like he's on display, like everyone is getting all of the nudity, which again is quite uneasy knowing how we've arrived upon the scene in the first place. Mm -hmm. But uh, the scene cuts and Bojack, just like Gina, was offered a towel. Um, but again, the difference between how men and women are allowed or expected or quote-unquote should act on set. Bojack rejects the towel. He's so fine now that everybody has seen everything um, that he just walks through the set. I've, I've seen everything. Um, just walks through the set, goes to get something to eat. There's jokes about cream eggs, there's jokes about yogurts, all the things that you would imagine trying to cover it up, you know, as you see on television shows when genitals are covered up, there's all of those gags, but Bojack himself has no issue with everybody seeing it because everybody's seen it now. It's almost something laddie and fratty and jokey and, God, it's really how much men get to win. Um, so he's just walking around. He knows, and this is great, obviously, quote, in any other environment, this would be considered sexual harassment. Um, but instead, <laughs> while completely Billy Bollico, he announces a huge party back at his place, which brings the whole episode full circle because now an actual party is happening at his actual house with the synchronised swimming fish still there. 
So really, he's not that different from Philbert at all. Um, Flip is at the party. Um, he thanks Bojack for the nudity scene and this kind of arm around your shoulder. See, we're all mates in the end. Awful. Um, suggests that Gina won't complain now that he's done it. Bojack tries to correct him that that was never what this was about. But Flip just throws it off and says, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, none of that matters. Gina's concerns don't matter. Flip apologises, but doesn't. It's all very notes on a phone app, getting paid to the piece of the independent, that kind of thing. Um, but he apologises about pulling Bojack's robe off. And Bojack, again, just plays agreeable for the good of the show at this point. He himself has become somebody willing to smile and nod for the good of Philbert, I guess. Um, at which point Flip feels completely empowered by the idea that he's won this battle. He's won this battle of wills early on and he's going to win every other battle. He talks in wanky media terms about how this show is going to take us all places that we never would have believed. And then in a, just a brilliant meta gag to end the show, says, quote, I tell you, buddy, this is going to be a sensational season of television. He strolls off. That's that's for us. That's for the viewers. He strolls off, leaving this amazing closing shot of Bojack staring in the fish eye of the synchronized swimming fish and then back to Bojack and then back to the fish and back to Bojack and back to the fish. And the zooms are getting closer and harsher every time. And it's Bojack embodying the synchronized swimmer fish. He is nothing but the low, the lowly performer he perceives the fish to be. He has become that himself and credits this kicked ass man. Real good, real good stuff. I thought especially the, uh, the, Perfect. Obviously, the potential here for the show within the show that we know we're going to be getting, which has kind of been a trope, I guess, if you talk, if you think about them doing Secretariat in previous seasons, we've had, we've kind of had the parallel where, but the way that they can use that and are undoubtedly going to use that. I tell you, buddy, this is going to be a sensational season of podcasting. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant as well. Mirroring the beginning and the end, literally almost identical, those scenes with the fish and the dancing and the swimming pool, et cetera, et cetera. The lines between Bojack being Philbat and Bojack being Bojack are very blurry at this point. And this is episode one, Michael. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? You're getting all this laid out for you in basically this season opener. It's tremendous. Yeah. Um, Princess Carolyn feels like the next location to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, we mentioned her a little bit, obviously, so she was there to mediate and not doing the best of jobs in truth um, on set. Um, but she was there to put out fires away from, you know, away from the, the scene itself. She was still able to print us Carol in the situation for Bojack at the end. But her plot, this um, episode is all very much table setting, I guess, possibly for the season ahead. She's at an adoption agency. Um, she's being majorly talked up um, by a goose woman called Michaela, um, who has like big into like empowering Princess Carolyn as a woman and how brave it is to be going through the adoption process until Princess Carolyn hands over a check for $60,000, at which point she is handed over to a caseworker called Stacy that does not give a about her or anything else as Michaela flies out the window immediately check in beak, I guess. Um, <laughs> She later, um, Princess Carolyn later asks Tracy to be a little more empathetic with her situation. Um, but Tracy notes that what Princess Carolyn needs is an adoption manager rather than an adoption agent, asking if she even knows the difference between the two. That's a tremendous gag. And all yeah. of this kind of paid off in Princess Carolyn um, dealing with Bojack and Flip's power struggle. Having failed to earlier in the episode, she this was a little bit 
you know, as, as B plots go, or even maybe C plots, um, this was more about Princess Carolyn trying to exert control over her life. It took her a little while to get some back over Bojack. She doesn't yet really have any over this adoption situation. Not yet, unfortunately. And I mean, my eyes were watering at the thought of $60,000. Oh. And I have to be honest, I have no um, gauge for how much any of this does or does not cost, but $60,000 made me hurt inside. And perhaps I would just interject with one tiny little correction, my friend. I feel like, and it only just really came to me when you mentioned it, what was the name of the woman from the... Michaela, did you say? Michaela, yeah. Was she perhaps a stork rather than a goose? A stork? I was thinking of a mother goose, you see. A mother goose. Well, I was thinking of the stork. Who Sorry, brings like the babies, of course. Yes. It just literally popped into my head there when you were saying that. I was like, what was? Oh, yeah. Maybe the stork who brings the babies, quite possibly. But, yeah, interesting to see Carolyn. I, I'm very excited to see because, obviously, this is good, Princess Carolyn. Mm. Proven <laughs> she can go and get what she wants and doesn't need some stupid man like Ralph Stilton hanging around. Mm. But, um, yeah, I guess, in a weird way, a bit of both because she's now at the adoption agency, potentially looking to try and get a child and also still technically technically has her fill butt in her life so yeah thing, we'll take way. that for, we'll take that for now because we just like yeah. to take something pc don't we um on a todd who has a frank talk with yolanda at the start of the episode obviously they'd agreed to go on a date at the end of season four um and they appear to be together there's a nice gag about them stopping over at princess carolyn's but she's doing the old our oh, young kids in love trying to avoid what, what we uh initially led to believe as sex noises but we just the fact them resetting a sofa because of course they're asexual um <laughs> yolanda asks todd what he's doing with his day and it, it's tantamount to nothing it's <laughs> it's todd's it's todd's stuff um, and this sort of extends to a conversation in a double date that Todd and Yolanda go on with Emily and her firefighter boyfriend, Steve DiMazio. Not to be confused with Steve DiMarco, because she set up the app to date firefighters. It's all come good for Emily, as we would have hoped it would. Um, it's an awkward date in general. Um, Todd and Yolanda feel a long way apart in terms of communication, in terms of uh, careers, life aspirations in general. And Yolanda and Emily don't exactly bond as well. And it's just, it's left there to fester in a way because they've played with this before. I seem to recall the first time that Diane and Princess Carolyn meet as the quote-unquote women in Bojack's life. Mm. They don't get each other. And we would assume, again, as the kind of idiot vain males, that, well, these are women in Todd's life, so they must connect because they're connected through this one guy and they don't. And it brings to the front these issues that Todd is maybe having about a sense of direction, a sense of purpose, um, which is ideal because obviously Bojack wants him to apply for that janitor's job. That kind of comes nicely into his lap. Um, but the plan fails, as we discussed. It doesn't quite go to plan, but it's Todd, so it goes absolutely fine. It goes more than fine, in fact. He's having his interview as the janitor, um, but the woman interviewing him, of course, it's a woman. She would open a door. Thinks him far too qualified as, of course, a app developer, as a millionaire, as the former governor of California. He's far too qualified to be a janitor in her eyes. Um, so he becomes, and we learn this through his telephone conversation with Bojack, Jesus Christ, Nicholas, he becomes the president of ad sales and streamable content for what time is it right now.com and what time is it right now go? Their app equivalent, obviously, due to his, I'm assuming, background interest in the field. Um, that is left there. Obviously, Todd now can't um, conduct Bojack's plan, and that's all we get for Todd this week. It's great because it's Todd, because Todd is God, because these things fall into Todd's lap. 
And because it's a gag, it's always a gag, the least equipped and competent man still gets a turn because he's a man. That's always the joke with Todd. And he always styles it out and he's always charming because he's, well, because we love him as much as everybody that meets him. You want to grab his little face, bless him. Um, but again, set against the A-plot of what we were seeing with Bojack and Flip and Gina, etc. I mean, just for God's sake, this world, this frigging world that they're all in, which by extension is the one that we're into. An almighty episode for Todd Michael, which <laughs> ends in a heavenly fashion. I think we can both agree. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I love, and I love the way they use Todd for this role so many times, so more often than not. Like, but you can't tell me that you weren't, like I was, sitting there going, yeah, actually, that's a pretty impressive CV he's got going yeah. on. Like, until someone sits down and reads that out, out loud, how many times have we taken the piss for his, like, questionable, I won't even call them stupid anymore because clearly they're not, like, his questionable ideas, and yet you put that CV down and he's got a better CV than you and me, bro. <laughs> I tell you that for nothing. He's done good. He has done. He's done good. He's done good. You want to watch out for Toddcast Horseman, which will be coming soon, <laughs> where none of us will have a chance uh, at all. I think it's fair to say. But yeah, I mean, what a great way to start the season. Todd, <laughs> it, Todd is now literally basically running. What time is it right now? Like, I mean, come on, that's it's a brilliant start. This. Yeah, it feels like we said about Princess Carolyn in terms of table setting for a big plot, huge development of life adopted. Um, Todd's is a table of a different colour, isn't it? It's like, it's just a, you want to see how daft they can get with this, I think. Um, so they set up something you want to watch. Yeah, and obviously putting him in a position where he's going to have an infinite supply of power and money to do just <laughs> that. The only time he would have been more equipped would have been when he won $8 million. <laughs> I keep saying won, he didn't win it, he was given it from the company they dissolved. But ultimately, we saw what he did with that, Michael, so... Should we basically just assume that the woman in the in the uh, silver spoon diner is going to be the owner of what <laughs> what time is it right now anyway? Very soon. It just, it just occurred to me that did Todd just not do what most um, American frat boys would allegedly do by tipping a cow? Did we I cover that? Cow. Yeah, yeah tipping. cow tipping. Yeah. Um, well, get to print, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane. I don't want to, but we need to. Um, we've enjoyed. We've enjoyed what we've discussed about Peanut Butter. He's there dressed as Caesar from the movie set on the lot and having a good laugh with Bo Jack and what is this crosser? Everything is just fine being Mr. Peanut Butter as usual. Is this the part where you're going to tell me that the dog days are over, Michael? Is that what you're going to oh, tell me? Oh, God. The dog days are indeed over. Look, I've been trying to give you a magic eye to stare at and I've been trying to get you to avoid seeing the details, but now I'm going to show you the sailboat. He's at the airport with a blonde sign. And we know this is this lovely um, thing between the two of them. Um, and Diane greets him warmly. Um, they're in the car together, which is where uh, Peter Button knows that he was Caesar for a pizza commercial and that they're going to play in movie theatres, which is nice because is that the first time that he's revealed an insecurity to Bojack by talking to movie? Or did he genuinely believe for a bit that he was in a movie? That's left for us to, to ponder. Um, but the more they talk about it and he explains the part and the dialogue and the role to Diane, the more he realises it's going to get cut because it makes absolutely no sense. He's big Caesar to a little Caesar. The dialogue is out of time. <laughs> the advert's never going to get shown. It's been a waste of time. Um, the car pulls up, but it pulls up outside an apartment block, which we learn is Diane's new place. Before she gets out, Mr. Peanut Butter notes that he signed divorce papers 
Um, and she just needs to get them checked with her lawyers as well. They crack awkward jokes about their marriage ending. They have an equally awkward <laughs> handshake and hug experience, exchange, whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> and Diane tries to get out of the car. And it's really sad. It's really, really sad. A um, couple of little, like, additional observations. Um, Diane has returned from a trip where we don't know where it is with short hair with slightly colored hair a new look i guess which we see before obviously we learn that they have separated that's it's left for you to assume that everything is awkwardly fine between them and she's just been on a trip um and obviously neither of them and our wedding wearing their wedding rings which you can spot when you when you look at it when you see the papers being handed over and they're like uh it's really sad it's a it's the realistic difficult and sort of depressing extension of the breakdown that we got at the end of season four there are divorces take all of these forms and not literal forms that he hands to takes all of these forms emotionally and this is just another one that we're having to see them suffer through it's not nice it's not nice at all but they do still manage to make me laugh my ass off with that ending where it's like the handshake but is it a hug or is it a, we don't <laughs> know what the what what are the words and they kind of finish on like a Cool, okay. <laughs> Take that, our marriage. Like, <laughs> oh no, man. Oh. Yeah, this is it's it's all very uncomfortable. But I tell you what, it's real, man. That is it's, mm-hmm. it's about yep. as real as it gets. We've all had that person where you you used to be like this. He, he shows the camera where nobody else can see, where your fingers <laughs> are crossed together, and then yeah. you like go to this where you're so far apart, you mm-hmm. could easily be a set of goalposts. This was. Uh, we'd be lying if we said this wasn't predictable though right this is mm-hmm. this it didn't feel like a surprise at all and when she was even I remember watching this the first time round when she gets off that she gets to the airport and turns up I was like this isn't gonna this the vibe <laughs> it's not the right vibe, the vibe is off Michael it was off and it was and we were right hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Um, although I should point out, by the way, Diane's new haircut is excellent. Big fan of the short haired Diane. Thoughts on a postcard for that one at Podcast Open. <laughs> Let us rank all of Diane's hairs, whoever could be bothered. Yes, please. Yeah, That's the content I would like. Is that you all done? That's us for the episode. We are off and running. We're off to the races in yet another season of Bojack Horseman. Look at you, man. Never stops, does he? Never <laughs> bloody stops. You wouldn't see me crack and crack like that. Anyway, let's go crack some, let's go crack some crack like that, shall we? Um, it's time for the part of the show we call Horsing Around, where we go back to the beginning of the episode and go through the whole thing, picking out the hidden meanings behind things, the small details you might have missed, or just the Easter eggs that were hiding in plain sight there's is there a lot uh, i tell you what's always interesting when you start a new new season there's always loads of new places that you haven't been to which tends to prove fruitful so let's go back to the beginning and the set of philbert michael which is of course eerily similar to bojack horseman's house i think we can all agree mm-hmm. um great gag to begin with of course uh, where the director says, the director, Flip McVicker says, come on, guys, pay attention. The squib didn't fire. Squib, of course, the blood pack that Bojack has, or supposed to have on him, was supposed to go off. And a squid sort of assistant comes in and goes, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> At which point, Flip said, no, no, not you. The squib, not the squid. It's simple, it's easy, but we'll take it because it's Bojack. And Michael, they like animal puns in this show. I don't know if you've noticed that. They are, <laughs> it's big, come on. It's, it's come on. They are big into them. Every now and again, they tend to just drop in there. <laughs> <laughs> but another noticeable thing for anybody who's watched the show this far, you will spot all of the usuals when it comes to making a film or a TV show in Hollywood. The crew are there that we can use to explain. Deborah, of course, of Deborah's face fame is there. Um, mm-hmm. Still no face, as it happens, funnily <laughs> enough. Um, we got the girl with the vintage rock band T-shirt. We get the guy in the vest with the ginger moustache we've seen a million times, usually a sound guy. We get the guy wearing the Ziggy Bojack T-shirt, which is the uh, horse with the lightning bolt across the face. It's great the, to have these back, by the way. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. So great to have them all milling around again. I love them as like set dressing for these TV and film sets. It's magic. It's nice to know they're all still in work, Michael, which is, uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, after seeing what happened to those poor women who got left hanging. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got the ostrich guy uh, who has the cable usually wrapped around his neck. We've got the snake, the boom mic operator, who's got the long neck holding onto the, the microphone. And also the orangutan in denim jeans. Do you remember him? Uh, he ends up wearing denim jeans and a blazer. He's fixing the lights up above, sorting the spotlights out. Um, and brilliantly, as Bojack is talking to Princess Carolyn, they're coming away and obviously discussing the set and they're walking out of it. In the background to Bojack's left, you can see the man who's in charge of the squib is trying to figure out what was going wrong. He's like pressing buttons. He's doing all sorts. He's like, he's got the, the little trigger in his hand. He's like pressing it repeatedly, trying to get it to go off. <laughs> And then the big payoff, of course, eventually is he finally presses it and it explodes on Bojack. As we see, it goes off in his face pretty much. Uh, we go to the opening credits, though, and a new season, of course, brings a bunch of new things. Yeah. First of all, though, a really, really nice thing that I have never noticed before until this watch through. As we go into the living room of Bojack's house, to begin with, uh, on the television, normally you would expect to see an episode of Horsing Around or something. There's actually a tribute on the TV uh, to Ralph Carney. Um, or Kenny, uh, who can be seen on the television playing his saxophone. And for anybody who doesn't know, Ralph Carney is the um, he's the uncle 
of Patrick Carney, who is, of course, of Black Keys fame. And that together, the two of them are the guys who made the soundtrack for Bojack Horseman. Uh, unfortunately, of course, yeah. he passed away in 2017. So it has a little tribute to him from 1956 to nice. 2017 on the TV. Lovely stuff there. And, of course, as the soundtrack that he helped create players, which is great. Really great stuff, this. Um, but, yeah, on top of that, we go through Bojack's living room. There's nobody there now because, of course, this is a brand new season. There's no Hollyhock stuff, no mm. B, um, Beatrice stuff there. Just all gone, completely clear. Even the kitchen is pretty much clear. No coffee maker in the kitchen anymore. Just the shelves, are, the shelves have been wiped clean. Uh, there's just It's very scarce. But you will notice, though, when we move to the next scene, which is normally like wherever Bojack is spending his days, we take another lap through what seems like his house, but it is, of course, the set of Philbert again. Um, so it's like a once-over there. And on there, you can see Gina standing by the TV. Interestingly, you can see a burnt ottoman by the TV, which is a callback, of course, a painful reminder to Sarah Lynn setting the Ottoman on fire in season one. But of course it wasn't technically there. Like this isn't Bojack's house. This is, this is the set of Philbert. So of course that was there when the, when David Boreanaz's house, (laughs) which for anybody who's confused (laughs) was in season one, when Todd turned Bojack's house into quote unquote, David Boreanaz's (laughs) house. Uh, And that's where they would have got the, the um the idea for the burnt ottoman from which is I love that. a brilliant love touch that. a brilliant brilliant deep cut there also inside the house you can see like people who are working on set there's the ostrich cable guy who's wheeling some kit around flip mcvicker stood there using his fingers to kind of get the frame and every scenes right what he's thinking of in his head and uh, princess carolyn and todd are also standing in the kitchen just chilling out i think todd is literally doing nothing <laughs> he's just standing <laughs> in the kitchen standing very still uh, but you go into the next room of course where there's the party that's going on we usually see and on the TV you can see um, it's morning Hollywood and there's the Ryan Seacrest type who's on there <laughs> and um, Bojack and Gina are promoting Philbat in the, there's like a little smaller screen in the top right corner and they're both on the screen um, we then cut from there from the opening credits we go across to Warbler Brothers Studios, Michael, which shouldn't be confused, of course, with Warner Brothers. Warbler, of course, presumably being a bird. I'm going to look this up on the fly because I didn't bother at the time. I assume it's a bird. Yeah, of course it is because there's like a little bird icon there. That was fairly self-explanatory. Um, but outside of the studios on the wall, there's a bunch of posters for films that are coming up. One of them is right at the far end, so you can't actually see what it says. It's just more of a, It might be an old one, but I can't. I couldn't, you literally can't read it. It's just got no text on it. But the other two, there's one poster for Wonder Worm, Michael, instead of Wonder Woman. <laughs> All done up in the Wonder Woman get-up, but it's just a worm, of course. <laughs> and then there's an advert for Nutty X Squirrel Friend, which is a wink and a nod to uh, The Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was a musical rom-com television show uh, that's yes. on TV nice. with, I think it's Rachel Bloom, I want to say, um, in the lead role for that one, so not the ex-girlfriend Michael, because it's a squirrel <laughs> and it's nuts. You see what they've done there? It's good, like it. good stuff. Um, brilliantly, as you mentioned already, when we're when we're inside and on set at Warbler Studios, um, there's that amazing "What time is it right now?" gag where Flip is opening up the app, and he's waiting for it to come on, and the time is literally a book <laughs> on his phone because, of course, it is. But the also the little touch of the dial-up coat, the dial-up sound that you would have got from the old internet was a nice touch too. Um, but of course, as I mentioned here, 
Mr. Peanut Butter, the one who looks around, who has been to Bojack's house a million times, we should probably point out, who still walks around the set and says, hey, it kind of looks a little like David Boreanaz's house, this. <laughs> <laughs> which is, of course, for anybody who's still lost, a callback to season one, episode five, which is the episode where Todd turns Bojack's house. Which season one, episode five is called back Correct. in season five, episode one. Indeed it is, my that friend. Is Indeed lovely. it is. That is lovely. It's the little things, isn't it? It's it the is. little thing. We go to Bojack's kitchen, though. Legitimately Bojack's kitchen, not Philbert's kitchen, we should point out. And I thought the uh, vod- the vodka bottle was worth noting here. that has got, mm-hmm. obviously, the days of the week written on it. It basically says Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday is spelled Wed-des-day, with a little <laughs> arrow having written the N in afterwards, which suggests to me that maybe this wasn't done while he was sober, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the day after that says Thursday, the day below that says TGIF, of course. Thank God it's <laughs> Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday below it. Then, of course, we get to go on to uh, Instagram, well, or whatever the Bojack Horseman version yeah. of Instagram is. Um, but basically, we get to see a couple of posts, just one from someone Bojack follows called Miss Wasp, which just says, <laughs> just says burrito day with two thumbs up, and she's like a wasp woman is eating a burrito, <laughs> or like about to eat a burrito that's covered in guacamole. And then below that, we get Hollyhock's account, which I should point out her Instagram handle is Holly Holly Hoxen Free, <laughs> <laughs> which is well done. And then her post says, voila, Wesleyan. Hashtag French 101, which tells us, Michael, mm. that she is, of course, at Wesleyan University. Uh, and she's studying French 101. There you go. Look at that. Good. It's all in the little details, you see. <laughs> um, but then if you didn't pick up already, you would have picked up when, when Bojack rings Hollyhock and we get to see her dorm room for the first time. Um, a few little things in there. You'll notice the orange carrot pillow that she brought with her in season one, uh, season four, sorry. It was on Bojack's setty for quite a bit of time while she was living there. Um, she's also wearing a t-shirt, which I had specific throwbacks to myself at university buying the um, actual university hoodie from Bath yeah. University where mm-hmm. I went. But Hollyhock, Hollyhock has a top that just says, dorm life. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, am I wrong? And then she's got posters up around her room, which are, of course, the clever animal twist on usuals. We've got the Cockatoo Twins, which is, of course, a reference to the Cockatoo Twins, the Scottish dream pop band, Michael, from the 70s. And uh, we also get Quack DeMargo, because he's a duck, Michael, instead (laughs) of Mac DeMargo, for all you Mac DeMargo fans out there, as well as around the room, just various pictures of Hollyhock and her dads, of course, along with a birthday heart that just says, uh, happy birthday, signed by all the dads, including, in capital letters, Quackers. <laughs> <laughs> we go to Princess Carolyn's apartment, and uh, just a nice gag, yeah. As you mentioned, she's trying to, like, not look at Todd and Yolanda as they, in her head, have sex, but they're just not. Todd's just trying to force the sofa bed back down, but she's hiding her face with a magazine, Michael. The magazine is called Yarn Mag. Knit in the, the little line below it says, Knit today, gone tomorrow, world. <laughs> <laughs> Such a crap, crap. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't, think, work. it wouldn't work if it was good, would it? It wouldn't work if it was good. I tell you what, I think I might have even read that wrong because I think it's actually called Yarn Hag, not Yarn Mag. Genuinely. <laughs> Anybody who can be bothered to look again, please do correct me. I'm pretty sure that might be right, though. I think I might have just written that down wrong. Um, but also, 
just because it's Todd. He's excellent, isn't he? Love that he's just got out of bed, so he's got his little nightcap on, and he pulls his nightcap off to reveal his own beanie underneath, which has just been there the whole time. Such a stupid, stupid gag. We have seen something similar to that before, I think. Um, We go across to the adoption agency that Princess Carolyn goes to, and behind her on a sort of cork board, notice board, there's a bunch of images of families who've adopted uh, on there, like success stories, I think. Some of the most notable ones, there's a wolf. There's two wolves who've adopted a sheep baby is one of the most notable ones. There's a whole bunch of other mix and match ones that that you may see on there. But the other notable one is there's a one that looks specific, uh, suspiciously, should I say, like a cutout from a magazine rather than a photo they've taken of <laughs> a success story from their company. It's a cutout of, of Angelina Jolie <laughs> in a magazine exclusively, it looks like it says. And <laughs> basically, the gag is she has, a, as she does in real life, has a bunch of yeah, kids she's adopted from various different backgrounds. I'm sure there's like a little hippo child there. There's a little dog girl. There's a little. They're all mixes. Like I think it might be a snake baby she's got in a cradle on her arm. There's just a whole mixture, obviously, which I thought was quite cute. And we also get to find out for anybody who gives her monkeys because Michaela, the uh, stork woman who we met, who flies off with Princess Carolyn's money, is actually so good at her job. She even knows a bunch of details about Princess Carolyn's mother uh, as she mm. rattles them off at one point, including, Michael, that Princess Carolyn's mother was born on August 12th, 1947. So there you go. Oh. There is a nice little detail for you, which makes her how old if she was still with us? Whoa, 1947, 73. No, not in our world, in the show of Bojack Horseman. Ah, oh, 70. 17, Michael, isn't it? Of course, 70 years oh, old. 70 years of age, there you go. Yeah. Bit of mental maths for a bunch of writers, eh? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> we go across to Flip McVicker's office now, and um, brilliantly, he has one for you. In an episode where we've seen the women, who have had a bit of a hard time of it, I think it's fair to say, mm. we finally get to find out the name, Michael, for a woman who we both had to embarrassingly call that casting woman back in the day. Because if you recall, do you remember when Bojack went for the audition for uh, Secretariat and he was sat in a room with uh, Kelsey Jennings, Lenny Turtletaub, and another woman who had blonde yes. hair with glasses? Mm. Well, she is the same casting agent who is casting this meeting of the women to play the hot and haunted woman in this uh, in this film. And her name is Janine, Michael. Would you believe it? There you go. Right, yes. There we go. First name for Janine. For all he might be objectifying all the women here, is the one who gives us her name, calls her by her first name. Um, and, yeah, I just thought that was a nice little thing to note there. I also thought <laughs> it's obviously very serious and not right it is that Flip McVicker is objectifying all these women. I love that the casting call asked for women to be hot and haunted and one of the women has, who's auditioning has turned up dressed in a bedsheet with <laughs> And she's also drawn on in red pen, I should point out, two big boobies with nipples on the white oh. bedsheet. This is amazing. A, a, a ghost, I guess, with I just boobies. I, I, I don't want to trample if you're going to mention this or not as well, but he's going down this line. And the only person he gives a straight flat yeah. no to is, is a black woman. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. That's just like just just while they're, while they're kind of already marginalizing people in Hollywood, you've got somebody as you pointed out in that in that boobs bed sheet that gets. I think she might get a yes or a maybe or a possibly, yeah. Yeah. and then it's this disgusted no because this woman oh. is daring not to be white. Just unbelievable, unbelievable. But it's okay, Michael. It's okay because <laughs> we now go to Flip McVicker's whiteboard. Uh, of course, it's a whiteboard, Michael. After all that, <laughs> indeed. Um, but brilliantly, there's a quote on here, a couple of quotes that he's written down. Uh, and they are as follows. If you gaze for long into an abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. Obviously a famous quote by Nietzsche, which we're all familiar with. Or, Michael, maybe you like the Flip McVicker quote, as a, a, the, the alternate version of that. If you just look at the abyss real quick while it's distracted, you can get a good peek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, God, it's just the worst, isn't it? It's the absolute worst. Oh, damn me. Disastrous, disastrous. Anyway, it's okay, though, because he's got another couple of whiteboards and uh, noteboards here. One of them is full of uh, ideas and directions for Acts 1, 2, and 3 in the show Philbert, Michael. So Act 1, a couple of good ideas he's got here. We've got synchronised swimmers. We've got a cool shot of Philbert smoking. We've also got more smoke add in post, question mark. <laughs> We've got another note that says, Sassy Malone banter. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by Gunshot and Marjorie Flask, both of which, of course, appear in the uh, scene that we see shot at the beginning of mm. the show. Then we move into Act 2, Michael. And to be honest, I think he's got Act 2 nailed on. I really do. Act 2. Montage depicting isolation. <laughs> Montage depicting sexiness. <laughs> and finally, did Philbert kill his wife on one note, followed by another note? Answer, keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> but none of them, none of them compare to the excellent in-depth analysis he's got for Act 3, Michael. He's genuinely put a lot of time and effort into Act 3. As we read on the only note that we can see under the Act 3 banner, we should point out that Acts 4, 5, and 6 are completely empty still at this point. But the only one he's got under Act 3, crucial to this whole thing, is nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot we, for playing. Is it fair at this point for us to basically consider Flip in the, in the way that we would, let's say, prior writers or directors or show creators, He's another hack, isn't he? He's yet another male Hollywood hack. Of course he is. Of course mm. he is. He's got nothing, Michael. He's got absolutely yeah. nothing. Like, the man don't got nothing. He's got not a great idea to his name. He is flying <laughs> by the seat of his pants and making other people take off theirs. The show, <laughs> the show exists entirely because Princess Carolyn had an affection to the name. That is literally that was, it. That was the script that landed on her desk that day, and that's it. And she signed Bojack's name as well. That's the only yeah. reason why even having this season of television, Michael, there you go. But I tell you what, buddy, this is going to be a sensational season of television. Anyway, we'll go back now to the set of Philbat, of course, uh, from the office to the set. Um, I've just got to say, Mr. Peanut Butter's reaction noises to this scene where he's just making all the noises he would in a studio audience of horsing around or Mr. Peanut Butter's house. And yet it's the worst thing <laughs> you could possibly do. 
Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 God. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing, this. Um, also, I thought it was a cute little nod, this. You'll notice in the background, while Bojack and Flip and Gina are kind of having it out here, there's a man who is on the floor taping the cable that you see running around to the floor because Michael, they've all learned the lessons from the disaster of Deborah's face back Indeed. on the set of Secretariat. Don't have somebody responsible for the cable, just tape it down and then <laughs> nobody can get hurt. Valuable lessons being learned here, I will say this. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, I mean, we can't really do this justice. If you're watching the episode, you'll know. But just have a quick pause and a quick glance at Bojack's expert, is that the word? Maybe professional professional painting of Gina, I think we can call it, on the easel that he does. The nude painting he's done of her. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's the most male gazy Hollywood, Hollywood painting you'd ever see. Uh, a stick woman with just obscenely, obscenely large breasts. But yeah, go and see that. And just see how bad how bad in mm -hmm. this whole thing that men of Hollywood actually are. <laughs> we go across though to the Hollywood streets now. And there's a bunch of shops here. Um, just we'll get a whole spread of the, the 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 street there. A shop called Past Elm, which is a furniture store. Um, we also get a a shop called Secret Hindquarters. <laughs> <laughs> we also get a shop called uh, New Bottle Coffee, as in like G N U, as in oh, the okay. wild, wildebeest animal um, that oh, you nice. have. We also get a plant store that's called Dig It. <laughs> 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 and there's also a shop which is an undisclosed store Michael but you might be able to figure it out it's called Broad Broads <laughs> well you can't yeah. see into it though and it does say underneath new location which apparently has mm. just been set up on the street <laughs> we go across again though to Princess Carolyn's apartment um, and first of all a shout out to Todd who as we've seen before has a habit for taking the long way around when getting to things and the way that he gets from just having a normal Todd day to ending up on the Monster website, when he could have just gone on, the, he's looking for jobs. But he talks about how he was looking at, he's thinking about his location, and then he was thinking about the location of South Africa and Charlie's <laughs> throne and her being in the film Monster, and then eventually getting <laughs> to the website monster.com, which just so happened to have jobs on it, Michael. Really, really don't gag this. But it does lead us, however to an excellent little moment to pause where we see the laptop screen and it contains the app, the um, the page on monster.com with all the jobs on. Mm. <laughs> and I should just point out, this is a little wealth of, there's a wealth of things going on here. Um, so the monster website, the top banner is just this purple actual monster going like, yeah, creeping over nice. the top that says, find your dream job, it says next to this monster. <laughs> The tabs he's got open brilliantly as well, I should just point out. Uh, one of them is called Ingreed, which mm -hmm. is a wink and a nod to Indeed, the other job website. There's one called Greg's List instead of Craigslist. <laughs> Very good. And there's one called Ribbit, which I assume is instead of Reddit. <laughs> oh, of course. Very good. Very nice. But on the Monster, on the Monster website, uh, as you will read if you're looking, uh, <laughs> it says, what time is it right now .com? Wanted executive cleanliness engineer <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And the job title and the job, sorry, reads as follows: The executive cleanliness engineer is responsible for mop management, bucket stacking, sponge filling, spill control, slop supervision, and solving math problems on chalkboards after everyone else has left for the day. <laughs> Which, of course, for anybody who doesn't know, is a brilliant little wink and nod to Good Will Hunting, of course, uh, where the brilliant genius mind of one Will Hunting is on mm -hmm. display. Also notable here, I should just point out, on Todd's desktop in the background, it's just a bunch of icons, Michael, for Todd Resume 8 dot doc, uh, Todd Resume New New dot doc, Todd Resume New dot doc, Todd Resume dot doc, Todd Resume Newest dot doc. Todd Resume Newia dot doc. <laughs> Todd Most Newest dot doc. <laughs> and then a bunch that I read Todd Resume 5, 4, 9, <laughs> 2, and 1 that you can't see because he's obviously been very hard at work at this. It's funny though because his yeah. resume, again, not ironically, Michael, is miles better than yeah. mine and yours put together. So fair play to Todd. Anyway, um, I just also thought it was brilliant. <laughs> Just before we leave the Princess Karen's apartment, Todd goes, Janet a job. I've always wanted to. Janet. <laughs> <laughs> He's an idiot. He's an absolute He's... idiot. Anyway, we go across to what time is it right now? And we go to Todd being interviewed in or for the Janet as job in a Janet as closet, no less. Yeah. Um and brilliantly, I thought the little touch of the interviewer. Their desk uh, is just two wet floor signs that are propping <laughs> up a plank of wood, <laughs> which is just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And, yeah, Todd's resume, actually ridiculously impressive. The man is mm. too qualified for this, and we should give credit where it's due. When you are the almighty Michael, you've got to give a wink and a nod. Um, but we also go across from there to Brojack's trailer, and I just thought it was interesting that on Bojack's phone. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but I'm pr pretty sure this might be the first time I've seen this, actually. Or maybe I'm just an idiot. Uh, when he gets a phone call off Todd, the icon that pops up on the phone is Todd's beanie. The yellow beanie pops up on Bojack's okay. phone. I feel like I haven't seen that, but I also feel mm. like we should have probably seen a phone call between Todd and Bojack by now. So maybe we have. And if we have, let us know. At Podcast Horseman, please do tell is, us. Is it at all possible that it's been added as like an Apple... Um, symbol or an emoji since the beanie became super famous as a part of Todd's ensemble look. Him now being a bit more famous, or his, certainly his clothing now being yeah, a bit more the beanie itself. iconic, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but we do go from Bojack's trailer, which all which looked pretty good at the time, across mm -hmm. to Todd's office, which looks a whole lot better. <laughs> um, I just thought it was a brilliant little gag here. Yeah, of course, the whole deal with this place is time and clocks. There's a bunch of clocks in Todd's office. One clock for London, one clock for Tokyo, one clock for New York, and one clock, Michael, for Cordovia, which, of course, oh, we know and love, which is, of course, the fictional place that we visited where um, Sebastian Sinclair was visiting, wasn't it, where all those um, war-torn Cordovia. But also, <laughs> Cord looks like the, I want to say the Prince of Cordovia. Is yes, that, was the Prince, yeah. Is looks, that right? Like the, the twin. Yes, but even more interesting than all of that, the fact that they have referenced Cordovia, Michael, is the times that you'll notice on the clocks. Now, obviously, as we know, there's time differences between all these places. That's why you've got the clocks. In London, Michael, it is 04.46. In Tokyo, it is 12.46. In New York, 
it is 22.46. But in Cordovia, Michael, mm-hmm. it is 17.24. <laughs> How does that work? That, I think that's like a five-hour and 22-minute difference. How does that work? What the hell on earth does that work? Who are we to question those Cordovians, you know? Who are we to question those Cordovians, indeed? Anyway, we go from there to the other part of his office, as we see as he's talking to Bojack about big picture stuff. And then some <laughs> guys are just literally putting a big picture on his office wall, <laughs> which just so happens to be like a really sort of beautiful painting of like a, um, a sand timer that's been turned upside down mm. across. I'm sure it's a picture of like an actual um, desert or something like that. It's, it's, it's yes. a really beautiful picture. Really, really ridiculously wonderful picture. Um, but we go back from Todd's office. We go back to Flip's office this time. And we get to see a bit more of the ideas that Flip has been having for the show. The whiteboard in the background that was obscured has now been revealed. And on the board it says, show ideas. It says, mythos. It says, copycat killer? Question mark. It says, <laughs> magical realism, which has then been crossed out and says, too girly. It's... <laughs> <laughs> there's another one that says entire season is a dream question mark question mark <laughs> and then it says or oh, drug trip uh, it also says gritty musical montage with swelling riffs <laughs> it, it says cameos but that's being crossed off it says classy violence it says characters with <laughs> it says characters with a mysterious hat question mark <laughs> There's a bullet point for Nietzsche, which has been highlighted in red, which uh, clearly seems to be a big impact on um, on Flip McFigure. There's also a little bullet points for sexy, violent sex. <laughs> <laughs> and then sexy twist in brackets, violent, two question marks. <laughs> and finally it says, oh. remember, no clocks. <laughs> <laughs> because of course, Michael, they don't want people watching to be thinking about time at all. Of course, the instructions, don't. isn't it? Um, but I think also we should just highlight the fact that <laughs> whether you like it or not, Flip is quite deep because he does tell us that the darkness in the show, Michael, the darkness is a metaphor for darkness. <laughs> <laughs> God, the, one note, the one note he accepts in Bojack is the one about the lighting. So, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. He's such a he's such a goddamn hack. He's an absolute <laughs> hack. He got lucky because Princess Carolyn wanted to do a show called Philbert. Never mind. Speaking of Princess Carolyn, though, we go across to the adoption agency again, which we learn is called the Adept Adoption Agency, as the sign says. Which you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Really, let's be honest. <laughs> but also, can we just give a shout out to the spinning chair gag that Bojack has done here? Because he also did this earlier on in the episode when he was in Princess Carolyn's apartment, hoping she was going to turn up, and Todd turned up. Instead, hatching a, a quote-unquote brilliant plan with Todd, I guess. Um, he's, he's brought the computer chair from home just to spin around in as he does the big reveal. Well, he's literally drunk and he forced this, this computer <laughs> chair into his car as he finds Princess Carolyn. It's amazing. Amazing this. And then does the, won't let her talk <laughs> until he gets the, car, the chair out of the car and does the spin. He's such an idiot. He's an absolute he idiot. And real piece of shit. Jack <laughs> but never mind. We go across to the airport, though, 
where Mr. Peanut Butter is going to meet Diane. As you mentioned, he's holding a sign which reads Blonde, which is, of course, a cute little wink and a nod because that was the name that Diane used to wear on her name tag when she was working at Starbucks way back when. In the earlier seasons, I think it might have been first revealed in season two, perhaps. Um, And also, Diane has short hair now, which I think looks great. I think it looks really good. Um, Really, really suiting of the character. Um, We go to Mr. Peanut Butter. Oh, we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's car now, and I have to say, as heartbreaking as it is, I did laugh at a great deal at Diane saying, take that, our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I know, man. Oh, God. Like a horrible reveal that they're going to get divorced and them two trying to, like, style it out and make it okay. It really isn't okay, this. We have have not even scratched the surface of how not okay (laughs) it is. Uh, we go back to Bojack's house, though, and I just thought it was very cute. We've mentioned it already, but that's not cute. Very well done that the sort of beginning of the final scene is exactly the same as the beginning of the opening scene mm-hmm. where we get the fish, the synchronised swimmers doing the dance outside and the pool on the balcony. All very good stuff. And, um, yeah, I think I've already mentioned, I tell you, buddy, this is going to be a sensational season of television comes out of Flip's mouth. But, of course... One last thing there, finally, uh, we see that the closing song of the episode, Michael, instead of Groupie Love, which we are so often accustomed to with this show, is Loss Ageless by St. Vincent, mm-hmm. which is an obvious wink and nod to the fact we are, of course, in Los Angeles, Michael, and I'm sure if you listen to a few of those right. lyrics, you will be able to see the parallels between the two. But that is all for Horson around this week. However... It may be season five, Michael, but still. And let me just check with our uh, sponsors for the evening. Uh, what time is it right now? Yes, it is still time. We still do have time. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting me know. We have time for one last thing, and then I swear to God, we will shut up about this podcast forever. I tell you what, mm-hmm. I'm going to go first. I'm going to throw you okay. a bit. I'm going to go first because mine's just a little fun one this week. Uh, one of the horse and around bits that I just withheld because I thought it was a good one to have. And to open the show on a lighter note, Michael, because normally these my one last things always seem to end up either heavy or insightful. But brilliant this, when we go to the LA street, as I mentioned, and you see all those shop fronts, there is a man who is talking to what we are to assume is a woman of the night, shall we call her. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a praying mantis lady who's talking to a man in a car. And as they're talking, she's got a salt shaker and she's just seasoning the top. <laughs> amazing little gag this for anyone who isn't aware something which I have been told recently actually may not actually be true may not be actually like 100% true this but it is commonly understood that praying mantis the females uh, decapitate the male once they've made it and eat the head of the partner but I believe if you do your homework Michael and I could be wrong about this but just for anybody who's listening maybe go and look into it because apparently that was only a result that happened during a very specific test that they were doing mm. where it was in an isolated situation. Not necessarily praying mantis or praying mantai. How would you do the plural of them? In their yeah. wild habitat. So there you go. Right. A little extra bit of information for you. Anyway, praying mantis, women bite the heads off men. And I tell you what, good riddance. The bloody deserve it. Yeah. Thought them up and bite it off. Big fan. <laughs> um, mine is just... Again, I don't know if this is intentional or if it's just something that I've enjoyed as a final payoff. In Bojack's nude scene about what this has all been leading to, they have answered the question, 
how many Hollywood dickheads does it turn, take to change the light bulb and the answer is absolutely loads. That's the that's how this yeah. has turned out. Absolutely loads. And the guy that's doing it is completely naked and also it's a horse and also the director is a creep, etc. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. I just thought of all the things that they could do, they've done that age-old gag to sort of yeah. to give you the exhibition of Bojack's nudity. I thought that was a nice way to do it. And I think there's something very specific in the um like if you were turning the bulb, if you turn the light bulb in, as you mentioned correctly earlier, you just twist it in with your hand wouldn't you like <laughs> you would just twist it in with your hand there's something very specific about the fact that he has to do a full pirouette to put this to put this light bulb into the ceiling which mm-hmm. i just think highlights again how thick and stupid the men of Hollywood. yes of course there's the added element that it's to show all of bojack in his full like opening sort of uncovered self but yes yeah stupid stupid men in stupid <laughs> Hollywood, doing stupid Hollywood things, Michael. Anyway, mm-hmm. I believe that's everything for this week's episode of Podcast Horseman. A great start to the season. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can all agree. And um, before we go, let's just give you some quick plugs because it's our podcast, it's our little baby, <laughs> and we love sharing it with you. And we'd like to continue doing so. So if you've had a good time listening to the podcast, or if you've had a bad time indeed, why not follow us anyway? Who knows? <laughs> We might turn it around for you. Come and find the podcast on Instagram or Twitter at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Please do give us a like and a share on anything we post. Or just send us your favorite stuff from the show. As long as it's uh, up to where we are on the show currently, we will happily interact with it. Of course, we try to continue to be a spoiler-free podcast. So we won't really be able to interact with anything that isn't from where we're up to. But hey, send it away if you really want to anyway. We like to talk ourselves horse about our favourite talking horse. That was the whole point of starting this podcast to begin with. And in that same vein, if you'd like to uh, follow either myself or Michael Hanfley, you can do just that on Twitter as well. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hanfley. At Michael Hanfley. Um, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, on Spotify where you can follow, on Acast where you can subscribe and stream and follow and all that sort of stuff, on Amazon where you can accidentally spend far too much money than you meant to, on a Prime subscription when you're only going to want Gotta watch Mad Men then just delete it. Um basically what, anyway. What, you... did, what did Amazon ever do to you, eh? Oh, I just didn't pay enough tax generally, but they host that podcast, so good for them. <laughs> um generally anyway, you can get your podcasts, you can get podcast horsemen and all those reviews and all those five stars and all that sort of stuff are great. They uh, fiddle the algorithms in our favour and get more people listen to a talking horse podcast about people that like to talk themselves horse about a talking horse. And at the end of every episode, we normally induct somebody into our Hollywood talk of fame. We like to mix it up a little bit. We've, of course, previously in the past asked and begged for retweets that will get you your very own personalised star. We've had people give feedback, five stars, any comments. They can be nasty and nice. They're all great. And this season, we're doing it. Mix it up again. We're going for quote tweets. Uh, it's pretty simple. If you follow at Podcast Horseman, um, every Friday, you'll see the new episode go up. And if you just took a quote tweet on there, if you um, send that episode release out to all your followers and all your friends with a few little words on you know, I'm going to keep the theme the same. The words could be nasty, they could be nice, but as long as you share that podcast with your followers and friends, we'll be really grateful, and you stand a chance of getting a star in our season five Hollywood talk of fame. And where better place to start with than with our very first inductee into the Hollywood talk of fame? It's Edward Shiraz Hands, oh. an OG, a support from the very beginning. Love the name Edward as always. Loved all the feedback. I love your constant support of the podcast, and you quote tweeted. 
last week's season four recap, which is where we said we'd be doing this for season five. Uh, simply, is this the best season ever? All caps, loads of question marks, big enthusiasm, big questions being asked. And uh, obviously, hopefully we address some of those questions uh, in the recap itself. So just to reiterate, a star will be coming to you, Edward Shiraz Hans, a special season five quote tweet star, I guess. Um, and for next week's episode, if you want to get uh, your own start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame, Quote tweet that Friday release tweet that we do of the episode. Get it out to all your followers. Get more people talking to ourselves about Talking Horse. And you might get one of these Adam Nicholas OG designs that he drops on the Instagram every now and then. They look absolutely stunning. Check out the Instagram for what the previous stars look like. They really are tremendous. Who do you think? You can get some pre and mantis here trying to season me up. <laughs> you can just get what you want out of me with your compliments because it's working it's bloody working I tell you <laughs> you should keep doing more of that yes thank you for all of uh, your quote tweets so far uh, and thank you for everybody who interacts with us on a regular basis those stars another batch definitely coming soon but Michael I tell you what mate you can call me Florence and the Machine because we are going across to Netflix for season 5 episode 2 <laughs> of Bojack Horseman the dog days are over <laughs> Diane divorces Mr. Peanut Butter and moves into a shabby studio. Feeling melancholy, she travels to Vietnam to get away from it all. How do you like that for a transition, my friend? <laughs> That's the longest Florence of the Machine song title. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great crack. Good stuff. Hey, the best ones are the ones you don't see coming, my friend. <laughs> anyway. With that said, I think we should probably get this one wrapped up, should we? I've had a lovely time, as usual. Hope you have, too. But for now, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.